Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the BOD studio, it is playing and slaying. As always, I'm Ty here with a voice that's metallic and a microphone that is not. I'm uh, I'm Josh with a beard that's not so patchy. I'm Troy and I won Gen Con event registration. Boom. Nobody wins Gen Con <laughs> event registration. <laughs> In addition to our trials and tribulations with Gen Con event registration tonight, <laughs> we've got a, a pretty solid episode for you guys. Um, we're going to do the usual playing, buying, and hobbying uh, segment where we'll talk about some of the things from the basement of death that we've gotten into, which will include a review of our weekend at the Nexus Game Fair, which took place in downtown Milwaukee at the Hyatt Hotel over Memorial Day weekend. Our main topic. Uh, rolling right along with what we did at Nexus, where we actually, as a game group, ran a few scenarios. Our main topic tonight is going to be about designing those scenarios and encounters for different board games, role-playing games, and whatnot. Um, We also have a very exciting Play It and Slay It segment uh, for tonight. Very exciting. It's one of our best yet. (laughs) Um, It's almost as exciting as Dying of Dysentery. Um, so <laughs> foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tonight, in honor of Will Conway from Anvil Eight Games, I'm drinking a <laughs> Captain Morgan with Zevia Cola. Fantastic! It is delicious. I am drinking a Picnic Ants Farmhouse Ale by Oso Brewing Company. They are out of Plover, Wisconsin, and it's delicious. Cool. And I have the House Cocktail. Because I needed it. With the new and exciting design oh, of the Van right. Gogh Blueberry Acai bottle. Mm-hmm. Yes, because it was, for a while I was worried, right? We had a little bit of Acai Blueberry shortage. It was hard to find here. We had Josh is scouring all the local. I think they were just remarketing it, and yeah, they, yeah. they didn't have the new labels ready. We actually found out, though, that a few stores, at least by my brother and I, don't carry it. What? Because sales haven't been high enough, so they no longer sell it. Um, which led us to an alternate house cocktail, which I have to share with you before we dive into the show. Oh. So Tom had purchased a bottle of Svedka Vodka Blue Raspberry. Yep. We mixed that with the Black Cherry Zevia. Ooh. And it is it it looks like carbonated water because it's clear. <laughs> right. Uh, on ice, so it looks like you're drinking a sparkling water or something. And it is delicious. You cannot taste a bit of alcohol to it. Wow. All right. So it, it feels kind of like a lady drink, 
but we think you could probably drink four or five and <laughs> kind of like a lady drink. <laughs> All right, I will get on that. There will be I'll put there will be a drinks of the BOD article going up on the on the website soon because I think we've we've got a small list of things that yeah, we've we got to make sure we share these recipes well right. for people. Absolutely. A little smattering of deliciousness. Uh, I mean, and and with that being said, it is incredibly important when you're planning this land that you remain hydrated. So yeah. We'll help you do that. Awesome. <laughs> I love that it's clear, too. Hold it. There might be. There's a lot of opportunities. It, there's certainly a clear is. drink. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot of places we can go with it. Um, speaking of places to go, though, after a short break where we probably drink more and fill up with alternate drinks, uh, we'll come back to talk about what we are playing, buying, and hobbying. Fresh off of a local game convention, we have a lot of updates for the playing, uh, buying, and hobbying segment. Troy, we'll, we'll dive in with some of your activities right before Nexus, I believe. Yeah, so John and I got Shadow War Armageddon to the table, and it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. We grabbed one of the old tables I have from Brian Nero. Then we were able to use that as our base. And then I grabbed a bunch of old, just city, tra- I shouldn't say old, like existing city train. I have like unopened boxes of the new stuff that I'm waiting to put together. But we're like, let's play this. And so it was it was so cool to just make a really cool cityscape with the train I had. I have a ton of city train, right? And created a bunch of catwalks and stuff like that. So just building the board was exciting. Even if we wouldn't have played, I'm like, oh, this is a really, really cool board, right? And, um, but then we played Shot Warm again. I just took kind of standard uh, Ultramarine Scouts, believe it or not. John took some took Orcs. Uh, and then we, we went at it. Uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of randomness uh, to that game, like everybody kind of says. So, I mean, there's definitely strategy and things you want to do. You you can use cover and things like that, but in the end it is a very much a dice game right so you anything from whether you're falling down or getting back up and there's a lot of close combat so that i had no business winning or tying and, and i did against john orc so he was a, a little frustrated but it was fun it, it ended up being fun but all i had was the rule book um and then i still had because i've been playing dnd for our dnd wow uh, 40k forever um I had all. I have the the scatter dice, the artillery dice. You had to pull out your old second edition artillery dice templates. Don't throw away your templates for eighth edition because you can still use them in Shadow Armageddon. Um, so I think there's a lot. This is I think going to be a great game to just kind of pull out every once in a while, do a small campaign, or or just create kind of custom um, kill teams, and you know just with your opponent say yeah let's add two specialists or do something out of it. and. And then create a. I think the the fun part is like just create a really really cool board with all this really cool train that we all have around and and go at it right. So, um, so kind of thumbs up. I know some people are kind of get. I wouldn't get hung up if you really want kind of a deep strategic game and whatever. But very much Breer and Pretzels get in there, have a lot of fun, kind of look back at the old. I mean, it definitely is like second edition 40k right to get there. So. And how long did your games play? I mean, with us really kind of learning, you know, having to look up the rules and things like that. But so your first turns went a couple, a little bit slower. But once we got going, I think you know, maybe we played ninety minutes or so. Sure, that to get that. Fun. And I would say, you know, it's probably under an hour to get there. And again, depends on scenarios. Some scenarios you can basically you get to a point where they they say bottle out, which is kind of once you start taking casualties, you're kind of rolling every turn to see if you're 
if you guys are going to keep your morale or they're just or you just bail out so the game can end fairly quickly depending if you have a bad again dice rolls if it ends ends quickly um or you can kind of stay in there and battle it out till the last dude um but even then i'd, I'd find it hard that you could kill a game to go two hours i think if with with a normal size kill team yeah yeah cool. I've, I've i've heard as as you get more familiar and if you start with the rules it's it's about an hour um it it looks very interesting. I've been putting together a few different um, teams for it because I think that would be a fun way to spend a, an afternoon or an evening getting several games in. Um, had to ask, do you still have the old Necromen- Necromunda stuff? I, I never had the original. Oh. I never played the original game. I do, and I had bought. I do have the old rule book um, that I actually bought afterward as kind of a collector's item. So I do have the old big giant. It's like a two inch binder, you know. Um, hardcover book that i have sitting on my shelf but i yeah i wasn't one of those people who played a ton of necromunda back in the day so because from from what i'm hearing the rules are i mean it's it's necromunda mm-hmm. up, updated and uh that that's kind of exciting that they've returned to one of their great um products from from back in the day and made it more accessible yep. by by letting you bring your uh generic armies because i think all factions are represented in some way within the the up the uh, rules that came yep include and so, which gives a, you know a little bit of legs to you know even sisters of battle anything you want to bring you can kind of create a, a kill team for and, and put it on the table and and have fun with it because again it's very scenario based and 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 objective based and whatever you want to get to and again some of those can be mildly broken in the i think uh depending how you're playing and what kind of units you have but I think, and I, I again, all this I would kind of take with a little bit of salt, and always talk to your opponent, make sure they're not bringing something totally broken, and you're not bringing <laughs> something broken, and then look at the scenario and say, is this going to be fun or is it going to be where one person is not? Yeah, you know? so because I think there are a few of those scenarios in there and some bad mis, you know, mismatches. Um, so again, I, I think it would struggle to be in like a hardcore competitive. It'll be. I think people will house rule it maybe and, and put some stuff in place maybe to give it enough structure to do that. But um, I don't know if I'd recommend it for like hardcore competitive play. And then uh, on the fantasy side, you did also recently play some AOS skirmish, correct? Yes, um, we got an evening in uh, of skirmish, and uh, we had two new players kind of in that mix. Um, Eric uh, Eric came over and and played with me we, as I'm Eric's more experienced than I am, uh, and then John and Marlon were there and they hadn't really played a whole lot of even Age of Sigmar, and uh, we played just got two games in a piece. I had a blast with it. Um, it's again very um, goes pretty really really quick. I mean I think we had two games in in less than two hours, um, and that's with kind of walking John and Marlon kind of through. John had never played Age of Sigmar, so we were walking them through all the rules and so went super fast and again we just had the 25 point squads yeah. to start with and i think we did like a 25 and then like a 30 we basically kind of played a mini campaign we like added in between the games we added a couple kind of models, level up a little bit a little bit just to get because yep. people got in there um to get and and that was a blast i mean regular age of sigma rules they the the scenarios in the book we played a couple of the two scenarios in the book very I think there's some there's strategy, definitely strategy there to play, but again, very dice dependent on the, especially the second scenario we played, which kind of had like five different objectives, but they're not really objectives until you roll a six on them. So you can cover all the objectives if you just never roll that six. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the, the guy if he had one and he rolled the six on the one and you weren't able to take it away from him. They got there. So 
that again, that was one where it flipped back and forth. Fun game. I mean, I had it early. John came and bulldozed my people off of it. I went and spread out to other ones. Got lucky with a six roll and, and pulled a draw out of it. Never should have, you know, I never had no business winning that at that point. But again, it's very dice dependent. Um, I think if people, I think people are probably going to build a little bit more competitive stuff around the Age of Sigmar skirmish, I think, because I think it's a little more solid rule set. But I think I'd be careful with what the scenarios are. And if you're playing a campaign, are there some, there is, is some um, mechanics in the rules if people get too far ahead. If you have an underdog mechanic, you get some rerolls. Not sure if that's really enough to balance out if somebody's bringing, you know, 10 to 15 more points than you are to a game. Having three rerolls, I don't know that that's going to gonna really balance it out. So sure, you might yeah. need to kind of put some house rules in place if you're going to kind of do a, a long-term campaign and, and want there. But for an evening, I literally believe you could come in three, four hours. You could knock out, you know, a four or five game probably campaign, mini campaign with uh, you know a dozen models maybe that you you start with and get there so it's a uh, a nice way to get in again Marlin's excited as you know he's not looking to build a 2000 point AOS army but having fun with AOS he's got a bunch of little models excited about building building and painting stuff so i think it's going to give a lot of legs to the AOS right at that even the the starter level right yeah good entry point to the uh the world at large of Age of Sigmar <laughs> Yeah, and they've done, I think GW's done a nice job of setting it up. I think that was part of their plan. You look at what models they have points for in there. It's kind of all their plastics. Um, so I think it's something, you know, like Heath at the at the GW can like, hey, look at the skirmish rule set. Hey, look at this box on the wall. Grab it. You can play, you know, which is great, right? You, it's really hard right now for somebody to go into GW and like, hey, here's a box. Here's something you could play literally that afternoon, right? If with right. a little glue and whatever. And I yeah. think that you could. Interesting, Mark Skirmish, you could. Well, yeah, and I, th- I think that was incredibly intelligent of Games Workshop to release the four prepackaged warbands that they did uh, with the the release of, of Skirmish and more, more to come. So I think they'll continue to do that where you get your hero, a couple of the basic um, troop types of each of the, the main factions. Yep. Definitely. So you, I mean, I don't want to go too far on the tangent, but we talked a little bit about that the, that hinterlands rule set. Mm-hmm. Was this, and I wasn't a whole lot familiar with it, and I don't know how familiar I are with the new skirmish ones, but is it really like this will replace that kind of entirely? Or um, I, I don't know that it'll be a full replacement. I think hinterlands will still do a little more for a narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way that your warbands advance is different. Um, mm-hmm. And AOS skirmish, if um, you know it, it, the leveling up is just adding to it versus getting some different skills and different stat lines. So hinterlands is a little more um, involved in the campaign method, and uh, very similar in how it plays um, and how the rules operate. But I, I would say there's a little bit more depth to the hinterlands rule set. And I know uh, Sam, the guy that prepares it, talked at length about that on a podcast, how it's not the end of Hinterlands. Mm -hmm. It's just he's going to continue to develop Hinterlands in a way that supplements Skirmish. So it it sounds like Hinterlands is a little... 
it's closer in like you that narrative where it's almost like the the hybrid i want to say rpg but a little bit right where you're, you're given the skills where you're actually it sounds like you're actually increasing the skills of individual models and things yeah, right unlike skirmish where it's just like i'm build adding some stuff to my war band and yeah, developing an identity the guy that gets killed returns but he has a major injury and he's slower mm-hmm. or things like that happen and that that's you know no longer a free guild handgunner that's bob the one-legged free yeah. guild handgunner because <laughs> you know and and you can develop that that story with him um so that's cool yeah it'll it'll be there and it's another interesting way to play mm-hmm. for sure and as always we've been playing uh our D campaign that ty's running for us um and it, it we're we're deep in the heart of it right there's uh the you know the ball cultists are um uh, trying to uh we're we're not entirely sure i think a few of us have an idea of what's going on some of us don't but there's definitely some some trickery afoot and uh we stumbled into the friendly arms inn which is really a giant keep kind of a, a a keep that's been rubbled i guess uh over time um and it's it's what's fun is i can pick and choose kind of locations you know out of the lore because the friendly arms Inn plays a albeit small role in the original Baldur's gate games it's a destination on the road and a place where you can meet party members and do things so it's kind of fun to interject some of that from the uh the lore of the forgotten realms across the last 30 years of it um in into you know a, a current campaign um, but yeah, you you guys stumbled in there. You ended up, thanks to the uh, curio- curiosity of Kember, the mage, uh, who did some late night exploring, found something that resulted in um, you guys actually making an offer uh, at an exorbitant sum <laughs> to purchase the entire lands of the Friendly Arms Inn, um, in in hopes of someday making it into a uh, a base of operations definitely cool there's uh you know a lot of interesting themes going on and a lot of uh uh you know like like i said earlier some folks know bits of information and other folks know a lot more than others and roll 20 kind of helps you do that right ty you're able to whisper to certain characters hey this is what's going on or um you know so and so tells you on the side about x y or z and you know, you can you can still have that conversation at the table. You know, the the virtual, virtual table, table, right? Yeah. And uh, not have to uh, tell people to close their ears or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. it is interesting. Right? The, Isn't the classic it? leave the room. leave the room? Right? Yeah, you don't have right. that where the five people are at sitting there, and then the DM and one person spend twenty minutes in the other room. Right? You can mm-hmm. kind of always have kind of those individual conversations and whispers with with D twenty, which is interesting, right? It's kind of the it's always cool to be face to face, but it's interesting how the digital and remote virtual da- tabletop also has a lot of benefits, right? And right. Uh, along the same vein of role playing games, have consistently been playing our mage game with uh, with Paul. Um, <clears throat> we've uh, we've found ourselves in a bit of a bind recently. We were exploring a defunct uh, technocracy base in hopes of getting some liberating some very valuable uh, metal and equipment out of there 
Uh, it turns out there's some kind of demented spirit that's possessed my character and we're now held there and <laughs> everybody's been stuck there 30 years and is going crazy and I think we're in a, a very bad spot. When the one mage in the group that can deal with spirits is the one that gets possessed. It's, um, yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, we're we're in trouble. Uh, cool. And you guys are based in Milwaukee or in whatever some version of Dark Milwaukee. Yeah, right? Which yeah, is kind of, that's got to be cool. And it's you know it's the year is twenty twelve or twenty thirteen now in Milwaukee. So it's you know it's definitely Paul's vision of Milwaukee, and not everything mm-hmm. is the same. Um, but it is fun to. You know the the Mitchell Park domes are a place of significance, and there's there's other areas, and you're like, oh yeah, I know what that's like. So it helps <laughs> it helps ground that in. You can know, you know, it takes me about ten minutes to get from there to there in a car. Or, so have have you ever uh, like so the the domes? Have you been there since playing the game and been like, oh, this feels more well, more important now. Yeah. Every so often, I'll drive by them or go somewhere. Um, <laughs> Like, my character owns the bar, uh, Von Trier, which is up on the east side, um, and just some other places where you go, and you're like, oh, wow, this is this is kind of cool. I didn't know that. Now, if I ever go in that bar again, that's going to be weird. All right. Yep, yep. Um, so, it's it's just a lot of fun. We continue to, to develop that story, um, and, and somehow, we're all still alive. Um. Also, I've been playing recently. I got together with Barry and uh, Becky, and we played Time Stories. I know Troy is vehemently against talking about your right. experience I'm, I'm saying, time and that's stories. it, and that's all you can say. We played Time I Stories. <laughs> we opened the Marcy case. We're going to play that a few more times until we get past it, because we were not successful our um, first playthrough. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I, all I will say is that is still my favorite one. And I, I think Time Stories is an experience, so I think part of it plays into the actual scenario. And then the other half of your experience, if not more, is what actually happened as your group as you go through these different scenarios. So even though Marcy Case is my favorite, I don't know that that means that that one's the best and it's going to be the favorite for everybody. Um, Again, I think it just says something to that time stories and the experience you have when you do it. It, It's it's a blast, right? It's you're creating this experience with these four other people or three other people, Um, and it's totally cool but i yeah i had a blast with that and marcy case again that's why i always make my whatever i'm vehemently against talking about anything to have to do with the plot (laughs) because marcy case i went in i was able to go in almost completely blind and i think that actually enhanced my experience once we boom basically opened the thing and got there and like holy cow all right this is cool right yeah so um, yeah, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, and I opened it up, and I was pleasantly surprised, having a lot of fun with that. Um, speaking of games that are an experience, we got together recently mm. to play um, an experience-style board game. I wouldn't call it anything else other mm. than that, because um, I didn't feel like we were trying to win and or lose. I felt like we were just trying to get through it yep. mm-hmm. um, in a good way, not not painfully. But, Troy, you got um, This War of Mine, your Kickstarter-backed uh, copy from was it Awaken Realms? Awaken Realms, yeah. Um, and it came, I was um, I re- again really nice experience with that Kickstarter. Um, I, I got I think I talked about it before about getting in on it just because it looked really cool, like an interesting. I had never played the. It is based on the video game. There's a video game that I had never played the video game. Just kind of heard about it. 
Um, and I saw the they were putting out the board game. looked really cool. The guys doing it seemed like they had a lot of passion around it. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, we, you know, I'll throw some money at it and we'll see what happens. Great experience. They did everything pretty much along schedule. Lots of communication. Even the shipping at the end, all the way from I think it came from Poland or where. I think, well, I'm sure they did a bunch to the U.S. and sent it over. But um, it, you know, within a week of all, that, they started out shipping. I also and I had mine um, that came sometime earlier this week, and then we played it. Um, but it's right. The experience is it. It's if you haven't played the video game, it's trying. If you are basically people living in a war zone, right? It's not people fighting a war. It's the civilians that are kind of left in the the midst of whether it's some kind of civil war or some type of insurgency is going on there's rebels and there's the army and you're in a almost a brick tenement building of some of some type in this war zone um yeah i mean you can probably draw a relatively modern right you can probably draw parallels to like whether it was bosnia or a lot of places and kind of the you know, whatever's Western Europe, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe, right? Yeah. Eastern mm-hmm. Europe, probably some of the conflicts have gone there in the last decade or so. I think they drew a lot of inspiration from. And um, yeah, really great. I mean, the components all were amazing. Um, as we kind of unpacked it, like, like, it was really cool about the, the care that they put into it. And then uh, it was, I mean, Ty was super excited to dive in and, and go through the experience um, as, as we played it. And like it's like it's not. I think a lot. I mean, the the goal of the game, I think, is to give you a little bit of the feel of what it would be like to have to, you know, every day you have to figure out how you're going to survive, right? Right. And, Surviving through in in the way that the game is set up, things happen in phases. You start with dawn, you rise, you plan your day, you have your actions. You then have to go out at the evening because that's the safest mm-hmm. time to go explore and search. And then what happens while you're out is, you know, you have to defend your your base and then night falls and morning comes and you see who's left and how you recover and where you go the next day. I mean, it's this cycle of you have several needs and priorities that you have to address. So the pressure is on from the, the jump off point. Um, And the kind of akin to time stories, I'm really glad none of us had played it hmm. before us jumping in and, yep. and all playing it oh, together yeah. <laughs> because you know i think you you learn some things the you know the first time you play through it and i'm kind of glad we didn't know those mm-hmm. things and i mean we failed miserably right yeah. but we all failed together and it was still fun right yep. so um yeah i think if you have one person that's played before they might steer you to a couple decisions right. you might not and, have made. and i think part of that experience was just how they teach you the game right? right it's not like here's a rule book go read the rule book it's the what did they call the uh, the journal the journal there you have this journal which is the rule book but the journal is basically open page one and they tell you how to set it up and then page two you basically you start playing as a group and they're going we're going to walk you through each of the different uh sec- segments of the day and actions that happen and then you kind of pass the journal around between the players and each kind of do the one for that to get you through that first day and so i think this how they taught it to you again that helped with that experience of you know learning the game and nobody kind of knew what was coming until we got got through it Mm -hmm. Um, and i think it says a lot about again we had a couple questions but they always were answered by either the graphic design or us just not looking hard enough or just kind of like you going i'm pretty sure they want us to do this and as we we did it like yeah flip that card oh yeah it makes total sense or there's a note at the bottom that that, you know explains it and we just didn't read that note (laughs) yep yep 
So again, I think it's so far as what we got out of it. I mean, the rules seem pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't even talked about the book of scripts. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the interesting mechanic is that at times you'll be given a choice or told to consult a script. And there's thousands of passages within this book. It's probably a hundred some pages, maybe yeah. uh, 200 pages. I don't know. It's a relatively okay. decent sized paperback okay. book. And each number has a passage of something happening. It, it it's reminiscent of um, above and below. Yep. Yeah, I was thinking that same book, thing. Yep. Um, and the crossroads cards of oh, dead, dead of winter. Of winter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you press on and choices come up, it it is nerve wracking really to decide what to do. And um, as each player rotates through the leader, ultimately it's all collaborative. You don't have a character assigned. You're all part of the group, but the leader makes the decision if there's a impasse between the others. Um, and one one point, I I just said, let's do this. We're doing this, charging in, and <laughs> yep. you know things happen. Shots were exchanged, and people died. <laughs> yep. But <laughs> but that's what, and it didn't. But it didn't feel completely out of character at all, right? It's like these are people. It may it puts you kind of in that spot. Like if you were in the spot. You're desperate. You're starving. You're, a lot of times, you're starving. You're miserable. You're what's the other stat? Right. You, you may be sick. You probably you may be wounded sick, in some form. Wounded, hungry, hungry. And would you? You know, it's kind of puts you in that. Like, how desperate do you, are you going to be? How many chances are you going to take? Um, what do you need to do to to survive? So, I, I think it's great in terms of it's it's going to put it puts you in that a little bit of that mindset, right? And unlike you know. I, I can't remember. Initially, I had that feeling too, like dead of winter. But this is kind of real life. That's a little bit no zombies. Per, yeah, no. no zombies. And and again, the same same comparisons, right? Above and below, which is very much more lighthearted and whatever. This is a dark game. Like it is mm-hmm. super dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's one thing to be prepared for. Like if you're gonna go in, be prepared that it, this is super dark, right? And it's real life. I know some people. That's why they play the zombie games or whatever. You want a little bit of escapism. This is probably the yeah, opposite these, of escapism. Yeah, this these is are real life themes. Real, yeah. real life themes, and they're people who probably lived through these kind of experiences, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, right? And um, and that's kind of the good and bad, right? It's, uh, this game really kind of creates that experience, but you are also then experiencing what other people that uh, maybe in this in that kind of scenario had to go through too. So it, it, it's. It's interesting, right? It plays with your mind a little bit, and but it, uh, but excellent game. I think the everything we've seen so far, right? Graphic design, the rules are solid, uh, and just uh, and the pressure to trying to survive day to day uh, is really there. Yeah. yeah, every every single action is a choice that's being made, and you know that that choice is going to leave you in a situation where you're weak on something and maybe getting better on something else. It's never a, a positive outcome or a positive yeah. outcome. It's you make an out you know decision that gets you slightly ahead of where you might have been, but no no polar swings. Yep. Um, so you're you're constantly up against the the struggle of trying to yep. make it to the next stage and keep your group alive. Yeah, and, and, and we had uh, one good uh, scavenging run, right? And and just when we think we're coming back with all this great loot, we realize. Oh, these these guys can only carry so much, right? And we're like having to make choices of what we can bring back. And I was like, oh no! <laughs> so like we have this really great moment, and then it's like, oh, it, it's so it's diminished. So yeah, 
this war of mine um i don't know when it'll be available for retail but i would imagine potentially you'll see it around at gen con or yeah i think i think it'll fairly quickly i think they're in pretty good shape yeah i think they again they wanted to make sure the kickstarter people got served well but i think they're pretty close to being in full production so should see it soon i'll try and throw something in the show notes if we can find out more information cool yeah and then um we'll dive right into kind of what we did at nexus so i know each of you guys had uh events that you were running uh maybe we should go through each of those before we just talk about general nexus uh activities um troy i think you were the first one uh out of the starting blocks Friday night, uh, you and John ran your your Space Hulk scenario. Yep, uh, we pulled out Space Hulk. We ran uh, Purging of Scara three, which is the big six Marine Squad um, uh, scenario that John and I run. the The Gene Sealers went really well. We've been tweaking it um, to kind of make to kind of dial it in because that's a, a new scenario we developed over for Adopticon, and uh, we played with four players on Friday night. Uh, it went really, really well. It kind of came down to the last, the last guy getting in the room with a, I think a salt cannon and trying to 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 get to the final final objective. So, uh, really fun. Had a couple. Uh, it was fun. We had a couple of local people who we knew that were in that that in that game. Uh, actually, all weekend, <laughs> we had a lot of people that we kind of knew in in different games, which kind of kind of makes it fun. So, um, but it went really good. We ran, I think, four players on Friday night, four players on Saturday morning. Uh, and then we had a full squad of uh, of six on on Saturday, and uh, the Marines snuck it out. The first two, it literally came down to the last roll on the fir- on the the Friday night and the Saturday morning, um, and then Saturday evening they they did pretty well. They they were up against the clock, but they got a couple guys in there, and the, on the last turn, we were able to make sure that they they finish it off. So, um, a lot of fun. I, I, I had a blast. I had a lot of fun. Again, I think it's all the people that came and played uh, were really had fun with it, and. Uh, and interacted and and it's always fun to set up the the big uh, the big thing and get it. and we were in the ended up being in the board game room which was probably the big busiest room at nexus so you get a lot of walk by traffic and right next to the vendor hall so when the vendor hall was open people were there so it, i i would half of it is kind of just talking to people that come by and, and things like that too so it was a blast we'll call it a success yeah excellent excellent and then uh from one smashing success to the next, Josh, you set up and ran two games on Saturday of uh, Zombie Side Black Plague. Yeah, so I uh, I kind of developed a custom scenario. Um, I called it Escape the City, um, and and really the objective was uh, the folks had to uh, leave this temple that they've been holed up in, find the the key to the sewers, and, and escape through the sewers and um, while trying to get by the abomination that was locked in the the sewer room, um, and yeah, I had I had a blast. So we had um, a full six for for both runs, uh, morning of uh, Saturday and in the afternoon on Saturday. And yeah, the morning run, I actually had two folks that I know through work. Uh, show up, or you know, when I got my pack and I looked on the sheet, and I'm like, "Hey, I know these guys, awesome!" So, kind of relieved a little bit of stress, you know, from the the first run, and um, yeah, everybody. I, when I was setting up um, Saturday morning, I had a guy walk up, um, and I had the box sitting out, so he knew I was running Black Plague, and he goes, "All right, so where'd you where'd you buy the terrain?" And I'm like, 
well, I actually made it, you know, with her starts mold. And he's like, what? You know, like, he's like, how many molds did that take you? I'm like, too many, dude. <laughs> I was like, I kind of lost count. But, um, yeah, no, I think it was it was a blast. Uh, the guys, um, I think one one person died from the first run. But we kind of did a, we had a respawn rule. So he got to play another character. And... The afternoon run, uh, Paul and Jen, friends of the show, um, played in that one. And there was a hu- another husband and wife combo and uh, two other guys that played. And it, it was real funny. They were all trying to get out. Um, the husband was sort of lagging behind. And so the <laughs> wife jumped back out to like help him. Like She could have yeah, left yeah. Through, the, through the tunnel. And... Uh, the, the wife jumped back out, fought off some zombies. He darted back in, and he took off, and she ended up dying at the end. <laughs> well, I'd, 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 oh, I'd be remiss. Sacrifice. Yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that we also had another spousal uh, incident of violence where one oh, spouse yes. shot the other spouse. <laughs> I forgot about Killing that. That's their right. character. Um, oh. Not going to name any names, Jen. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Missed a shot and killed Paul's character. <laughs> terribly. Terribly. Yeah, yeah, just a just a violent act. I think it was like a repeating crossbow. Like mm-hmm. yeah. No, no, it was the Orcus crossbow. Just yeah. a whole bunch of Yeah, anyway. Um but yeah, no. I had had a blast. It was super fun. Um I, I think I'll definitely run a scenario again sometime. Um No, it, it turned out I mean that board turned out really well. Um and it was fun. I painted crap load of zombies that yes. we're gonna talk about a little bit. Um, and then, you know, Ty had thrown in some other stuff in the end, but I was, and it was, I was so excited just cause we had never, we had play tested the scenario, but we had never seen all the pieces put together. Yeah. So I was just so excited on Saturday to when you finally got everything set up and all the people over there and it was really good. Like, yeah, I mean, I was, we were in the, it was really nice as I was one table away from you running the space hook and we could see everybody over there and looked like a good crowd and everybody was engaged and excited and. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and, and big thanks to, to Troy for a bunch of the zombies and Ty for some zombies, doors, boxes, um, and and the A-bomb. Um, yeah, you guys helped me out a ton. Oh, and the heroes. Thank you, Troy. Um, yeah, it, I had a, <laughs> just just trying to get all the, uh, the terrain painted and done. Uh, I was kind of working up to the wire, so yeah, much appreciated. But yeah, it it was great to kind of get it all pieced together at the end, and it was it was it was fun. So. We do need prior to Gen Con you to complete three more boards, so that we can actually do <laughs> some of the book scenarios. I'll do the book scenarios and, bring oh, it and play it. All right, I'll I'll work on. Well, he he's really got to do. What he's got to do, he's got to do how many? There's what eighteen well, the total flip side to each one. But I'm right. just saying, just get three more so you're, that we can do. You're one starting of them slow. Nine. Starting yeah. them slow. Yeah. Yep. Just right. tell him he's got. 12 more that's so over, that's overwhelming he'll never get we've that got a little over two months all right we've already got the doors we've got zombies my we'll slowly paint some more zombies we can we can do it my, my yeah. molds are cashed out i gotta <laughs> start molding right. some more <laughs> well that's what i was it's kind of funny like because i remember when you were molding stuff and 
you had it seemed like you had endless numbers of pieces yeah, right right and then and it's funny like as you started to put together you're like oh shoot i haven't really molded enough yeah <laughs> which i didn't think yeah it was kind of funny as you as you went to i've got more stuff molded i'm ever going to use to oh no these things take a lot of pieces to right. put together yeah i had it i i thought i had it all figured out and I miscounted, like, one of my calculations I had off, and, and I was like, oh, boy, I'm off by, like, a factor of three or something. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so I, I was hustling up, trying to mold a ton more. Cool. And I um, and I want to, I've got it partially, but I need uh, Josh to confirm stuff. But I think we'll, we will put up that scenario up on the website. For sure. Yep. Um, so that people can see the escape from the city Black Plague scenario, which is, it's a fun one. It's good. Awesome. Yeah, so great job, guys. I know um, big hit at, at the the Nexus Game Fair. Um, I think there are some things we, we also saw at Nexus that were pretty cool, so we'll just go through and, and touch on those um, real quick. But Artemis Bridge Simulator was set up. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, still to this, they haven't done that, but had some fun with Will from Anvil 8 thinking of ways that you could uh, make that yeah. very entertaining. <laughs> for yourself by by going in and playing a specific role but that might be something one of these times we we get a group and just try to experience right. it to have to a, see how it goes have a few adult beverages before going in maybe yeah, or while we're in there yeah. <laughs> drunk captain would be great that would be yeah. good yeah and i think um, people people have said they it, it it is pretty fun and i think you can actually get the software like you could get the software that they yeah. use and play it yourself but yeah, you, you just, just don't have the cool the five computers right yeah and what's mm-hmm. cool is they have all the different monitors set up and make it more like a bridge right mm-hmm. to get there so yeah it's, we'll see what about yeah gen con i think they run it and game hole i think they've been at game, game hole the last yeah, couple well. years yeah. so that's probably the place where we'll if we step into it we'll do it um myself i know uh i got in a game of frontline no comrades saturday afternoon brian was running a couple of events and uh he just needed a fourth to help even it out so i went and uh, played with brian and dan a listener friend of the show um and then another i can't remember the other guy's name i'm usually pretty good at remembering who i play games with but um we played a, a great game of Frontline No Comrades. Came down to the wire. Um, Oxna, myself, I ended up taking <laughs> Brian out, that taking Dan out, yeah. and then winning winning the game. So Excellent. The legend of Oxna grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to introduce Oxna as a character in our D&D campaign. <laughs> Might just be this big, burly guy, right. um, yeah. barbarian of some type. But <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, and then Saturday night after some beverages to wind down, we did have a great game of flashpoint six player, yep. um, save the uh, police commissioner's house from burning to the ground. <laughs> yeah. I love that. There was a narrative that got, that got woven in there somehow. Yeah. Well, I was the fire captain and that's the best with yeah. flashpoint. You guys couldn't so. talk to any reporters because it was the police commissioner's son who had the, the meth lab. Meth lab. Yeah, it's always a meth lab. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, there was the hazmat or has yeah. whatever they had things that you know, go up the difficulty, played played a pretty fun game of Flashpoint. So. Yeah, although the game did not kind of reach out and bite us. It was the game actually played us very well, right? Yeah. It, it, the, there's that randomness, right? Often you get flame on flame or something crazy like that, but... Yeah, it was a very the, the game itself was being nice to us because it must have known it was the end of the night for us. So 
<laughs> and um, as as listeners of our prior show uh, may know, Nexus lends itself to occasionally having one night that just gets crazy, and that was Friday night uh, this year. Um, the beers were were started early. It really became an endurance activity. <laughs> Uh, as you guys finished up Space Hulk and then we opted to go to get some appetizers nope. and beers. And then um, Brian Baru uh, was drawn to the harp and a few of us went to the yeah, harp. I, after I peeled that. off at that point. That was closed it down. So uh, it was kind of fun experiencing a uh, walking into a loud and noisy, like crowded bar of 22 year olds with Brian, myself and Will. <laughs> and we, we closed it down. We hung out till the bitter end. So excellent. Uh, the, the rest maybe we'll, we'll put on the, the blog or talk about yeah. it if you flag us down at a con, but it was definitely the beer Olympics of Friday night. <laughs> um, Nexus in general, you know, we, the vendor hall kind of lead into the, um, the buying, I made it through a con without actually buying anything. Um, in fact, I sold 12 mm-hmm. games of mine that I brought. They had a silent auction there, which is actually yep. pretty cool um, to see some of the product there. Um, but somehow I managed to not buy anything this year at Nexus. I don't, did either of you pick anything up? I did not. Yeah, I didn't buy anything either. I did the same as you. I sold a bunch of stuff in the silent auction. And then what was, I guess, for good or bad, I didn't have enough time on Saturday between running two space out games to actually go shop in the silent auction that <laughs> I might've picked up something or in the silent auction if I would had time. Um, but yeah, I ended up, yeah, not buying anything. I did make it through loop through the vendor hall. I think I picked up a couple of cards. Um, there were some interesting kind of crafty people. I think the, one of the people who was doing some engraved glass and she had some other stuff mm-hmm. that was there. And I can't remember the other person that I, ended up uh, grabbing a card from but they had some so, so some stuff i was interested in and probably look on stuff online to get there so i did not buy anything at nexus this year either so we're three for three not mm-hmm. buying anything at a con and, and i tried to um talk to the guy from uh chimera hobby shop because he did have two copies of space hulk and i'm like did you sell any am i doing any right you know, i was trying to at least push push <laughs> he's like no people came over and looked at him because they see my game and then they come over but he hadn't moved any when I talked to him on, I think it was midday Saturday or something. Corey, the guy I know from work, uh, who was in the first zombie side section, uh, session, um, he actually purchased black plague at Nexus. <laughs> he's like, go. I had All so right. much fun. I bought it. Uh, so I was like, great. Awesome. All right. Simon, we're hey. waiting for the yeah little commission. <laughs> I don't think they're listening. No, I don't no, think so no probably not. That uh, that weekend, though, I did go um, immediately to Games Workshop on Sunday after <laughs> returning home to pick up AOS Skirmish. So although I didn't yeah. buy anything at Nexus, I did buy AOS Skirmish. Um, and I it was kind of fun. I, I had paid on the parking ramp on the way out of Nexus, and I got my change in dollar coins. So I had 10 gold dollar coins from the parking ramp. Uh, change dispenser so i put a stack of gold coins on the counter at games workshop <laughs> to pay for my ten dollar 56 cent uh that seems AOS very skirmish very board. fitting that's pretty yeah, good he kind of shook his head and he goes well it's money <laughs> that is good. i think eric did the same thing he left nexus he's like oh, i gotta go pick up my aos skirmish rule book which is super affordable i think we talked about it for again smart rev gw that book that book is super cheap yeah if you want to buy the digital one i think it's like six bucks Mm -hmm. um so again super good entry point um 
Who bought a fat man? Um, I did. Oh boy! So another one. Because I, I didn't have any that would play. It's a AOS. Because I'm like all my stuff was sci-fi kind of uh, city. Yeah. Um, and the stuff I put under the Space Hulk. And, and so I'm like, I don't have any mat I can throw down for a, a fantasy game. So what size did you get? Six by four. There's no other size. All right. Well, well with yeah. all the skirmish, the four by four. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what, what I was wondering. The, yeah, uh, you just cover the table. You can always only yeah. use that. The sure. new battle mat for, they did looks pretty cool for uh, Games Workshop. Oh, yep. Yeah, that four by four. Line, yep. But a four by four of a cemetery mm-hmm. looks, looks really good. Really wish they did six by four. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, why does GW not want to do the the big ones yet? I don't know. Maybe it's because they know everybody's in that market so heavily. So yeah, to get to. But yeah, the small and we used it when we did the AOS skirmish the other night, and uh, we just split it in half. So we just played on three by fours. Um, that worked fine for AOS skirmish. But yeah, so already broken the the swamp mat, covered it with terrain, and put a river down the middle. River, as, yep, I as saw as that. Like and, and go for it. So <laughs> excellent. Um, any Kickstarter pledging you gentlemen are, are getting behind? Green Horde. Yeah, Zombie Side Black Plague, Green Horde. Uh, cool Mini or Not needs to stop taking my, my money. <laughs> They're I'm very nev- good at it. I'm never going to be able to retire as long as that company is in business. <laughs> you just need to buy stock in Cool Mini or Not. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but what's, I don't know, for good or bad, right, is I'm seeing all this cool stuff every day um, that comes out these minis. But then I won't see them for like a year or yeah. whatever yeah. <laughs> until I actually have my hand. I'll be like, I'd like you discover well, them all over again. What what I'm pretty excited about is I'm waiting on shipping for Massive Darkness. That's been delayed a few months, but they're very close to having that ship out, and that'll be a whole slew of new minis, some crossover functionality for Black Plague and Massive Darkness, um, and just some interesting stuff to another game to yep. get out on the table and try to yep. try to play. And that once. was some of the onus for dumping a lot of stuff at that silent auction as I was just, I know I have stuff coming down the pipe that did between this war of mine. And, um, I got some other, um, other Kickstarters that have been showing up the last couple of weeks that I'm like, I need to clear space of things that were not getting played or been on the shelf for too long. So, um, yeah, making, making room for massive darkness. I also did get, um, tiny epic galaxies does not take up a lot of room so i didn't have to clear that for that but the expansion to uh tiny epic galaxies beyond the black also showed up uh in the last week i have not broken that and played it um that's one of those ones where i don't know why exactly i bought this one i think it's because it's only like 20 bucks Mm -hmm. um and i had tiny epic galaxies to start with i'm not a huge fan of that game but it's a good game i just i think i need to play it more and figure out if it if it's me or if it's the game (laughs) <laughs> and the the last purchase thing really on the horizon is the pre-order just went live for um eighth edition 40k so the starter box dark imperium the five uh codexes of the different factions um so some very exciting things coming uh, a couple weeks away and um of course that pre-order has been has been made by a few of us yep um hobby we do that when we're not buying things i know leading up to nexus we kind of talked about at length the uh the construction you did josh with the boards and the painting and the um things but any any hobby tips for uh for our listeners if they want to make their own zombie side black plague 3d terrain 
Thin your pains. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, so I guess the the one tip I'll say is, um, yeah, don't use your expensive paints on hmm. on, on large you know, terrain pieces or boards like that because, yeah, I mean, it's just a waste of money. So um, craft, you know, craft paints from Walmart or Hobby Lobby or, you know, things like that, um, you know, especially if you thin them out a little bit and if you need to tweak some, you know, tones, add a little black, add a little white, you know, just tr- try to make it make it your own i get that that's cool but uh yeah just go with the craft paints that's that's my my major tip i guess i think i think a lot of people know that but yeah don't <laughs> just don't waste your money uh you know doing well, little, I, little gw pots of yeah, paint for, and you can make i know i have i still have uh i guess it's uh it's probably a gallon container it's not full but i have a gallon <laughs> a container full of black uh wash that i created from you know, ink and distilled water, and I think I used a little bit of um, pledge floor wax to create the mm-hmm. break the the stuff. So I again, yeah, for, and I can't remember why I made it again for big. I think I was doing it for the space hulk when I was playing around with was I going to really wash all these pieces? I don't think I really ever have. But um, again, when you're doing stuff like that, yeah, you can easy enough to create your own even washes, even you use craft paints. Yeah, right. don't. Don't use the five dollar bottle, little half ounce ones where you need twelve right. of them to. Right. <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally get it for miniatures. I mean, it's it's better paint for you know small details and things, but terrain is you know it, it it can look dirty. It can look you know not perfect because it's terrain, right? So. So can I kind of quiz you? Yeah. Sure. So did you? How did how did painting up that? And they used the, what a dental plaster yeah the actual molding so it's called uh hydrocal it's a dental stone um so yeah using her starts molds um i go on ebay and i find hydrocal there's uh one main distributor that always has it up on ebay um you mix it you you find the right consistency there's um it's kind of like a um milkshake consistency or pancake batter consistency um, and you, you'll kind of get a, a rhythm to it. And like, once you do it a couple times, you're like, oh, that's the consistency I'm looking for. Um, and then, yeah, I, I've been pouring them into, um, just, you know, Dixie cups or not, I'm not Dixie cups. Um, like red solo, solo cups. cups. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and then, yeah, doing about six molds at a time. Um, the unfortunate part is a lot of the molds I needed, I only had one of cause I don't want to buy like multiple yeah. of the same mold. So you're remolding, especially the the street tiles. I didn't have enough of, so that took a lot. But so how did they paint it? So did you have to prep it out? Did you prime it, or how did it take paint? Yeah. So I thought about. I, I actually tried priming it, priming it once, um, and painting, and that seemed to go pretty well. Um, and then I thought, hey, let's just try like a brown. Um, brown craft paint seemed to take fairly well because it is just kind of like a plaster mold yeah. My, i'm, I'm yeah, wondering it, if it's pretty porous and whether yeah, it, so, is it is it gonna do you I, need to suck a lot of paint so, out of it or should yeah, you maybe I did, I did seal do, it first or i something? did do yeah. two coats for yeah. sure yeah so so painting up smaller pieces of it with the doors and in, in different terrain yeah. i tried doing it just paint on the the material and you just go through too much it takes yeah. in a lot of the paint yeah, it's really porous right. Right? um so then i yeah. went and I, I just used a you know citadel spray and black uh spray paint yeah. over everything and then it was a lot easier to bring up the color from there because it's also you're painting onto white right yeah. um so darker colors end up a little streaky 
So I definitely recommend a, a primer coat. A primer. Um, just yeah. to, to seal it. it. Would be interesting. Yeah, I guess would a primer do it? I'm, my wonder is, is could you actually seal it? Could you actually maybe take a matte sealer to it first and then hit them i don't know i've never been interesting experiment. Painting on top of that sometimes is a bit of a problem yeah, but it's, a little, it's a little slippery maybe well the mat if you use a matte one it, yeah, yeah you can do it but i'm uh, just wondering because that, that, there's yeah. something porous i just that, use a cheap cheap spray primer knowing yeah. that it's gonna you're gonna have to hit it heavy because yeah. it's gonna suck it up so. right because i had and, to do a couple passes with the spray okay. to get it to a finish that i liked right and yeah, I kind of like I was saying earlier, like I, I bought some really cheap craft paint, so I just slopped it on, you know, like I thinned it out so that it wouldn't like you wouldn't lose the detail of the, but I slopped it on once, slopped it on a second time, and then it was that nice rich brown color that I wanted. Cool. So yeah, and your doors are amazing. That's yeah, I those for, doors. I forgot are, that you had painted that same material. Yeah, yeah the doors are great. Those yeah, are amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and it, it was fun project for me because I got to play around a little bit with. Getting the uh, the natural wood look, you know, dry brushing up, getting washes, dry. Like I probably took way more time than I needed to for some doors, <laughs> but that's why they're amazing. Um, yeah, but right. Uh, then the metallics, and then I had some fun playing with Games Workshops technical paints, right. um, Rizza Rust, the Nilic Oxide, Typhus Corrosion, and the way that that interacted with the silver and the bronze that I used on the the metal of the doors um, was was pretty fun just to to get that, and then blood splatter and bloody hand yeah. prints and yeah just dead inside on everything yeah. it's um, super cool with the uh, blood for the blood god technical paint so i think i have all of their technical paints yep. um and i just now as i'm getting more comfortable with what they do um i'm going to start using them on my next army when i start working on the death guard for eighth edition just to get weathering on uh, the power okay. armor so I, I I saw you played with the um, the rust effects, the terrace corrosion. I assume in some of the rust stuff on mm-hmm. the stuff. Um, how'd you use the nihilus oxide? Just interesting. Over over a dark bronze, and you get that really cool kind oxidized of a, kind of an, whitens at the edge, has the grayish gray like streak look to it. Um, don't use too much of that stuff because it 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 really stands out. I mean, it, it's you want to use it in seams. I used it on some flat spaces, and it just washed out the metal entirely and made it that heavy oxidization look. So it's best to use it, you know, in the crevices and cracks Excellent. or drag it down a little bit. But use it on bronze. Don't use it on um, on silver or gold. It looks just weird on yep. silver, whereas bronze or copper yep. kind of copper. has that oxidized greenish they, look. They hit it for to give yeah. it that so, so yeah and that's really cool i i've only i've used it again thanks duncan that's the idea um i actually used it on some of my sylvanus trees as some of the tree bark to get because you really get this really weird kind of otherworldly kind of half glowing a little bit kind yeah. of stuff so that's the only thing i played with a little bit um but it's some cool yeah that's a, some cool paint yeah, um the, and then blood and then yeah no, blood for the blood god is amazing stuff it, too it and used it, to take four or five different paints and glosses and stuff to get a good blood effect and this paint is just mm-hmm. brush it on add it thicker where you want it thick yeah, drag it, it down it's it's incredible how much it it streamlines the the painting blood onto yep. anything yeah and it was like from when i did the i don't even want to know how many zombies there are like 60 zombies that was like the um that was like my treat to myself because that was the absolute last. Because I did everything, <laughs> I sealed them. Because I didn't. Because you know, again, you don't want to seal on top of them with my mat. Um, 
because you want the blood again depending on what you're looking for but for in this case i wanted a kind of a fresh blood i wanted a glossy blood effect on there so the last thing i did was to go through and just kind of pick up every zombie and just kind of like put a little blood spot again i think less is more a lot of times in in the case oh, right see, I, I went the opposite way <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially that bishop just drenched mine in blood, blood well, I, I partly it's because i just spent however many uh, two weeks painting all these zombies i didn't want to now cover all the work i did in blood <laughs> yeah. so there's a couple of them that are more or less right especially the fatties they lend themselves to being like their bigger surface area yeah. but i think the little ones especially you don't I think you don't want to go overboard because there isn't much model there. I mean, the, the walkers are pretty small. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I did kind of go less is more and just really kind of dot, dot and hit a few you know hands and maybe some of their yeah, cuts and, I, and stuff. And then I just drenched some of the runners. Like <laughs> I didn't I care how of, great the paint looked. Yeah. I just went like heavy blood from the yeah. jawline <laughs> yeah. down to the waist. Yeah. And why I think that's what you do. You mix it up to have yeah. that, that mix to go in there. But mm-hmm. yeah, this, I always thought about it cause I'm like, I worked so hard just to get the chance to play with blood from the blood <laughs> God. And that was like my finish up to, to get that it. was your so, dessert. Dessert. Right? It really, it was yep. totally dessert and it, and it came out so well. That was kind of great. Excellent. Well, before we get into our main topic about uh, designing encounters and creating scenarios for different games, real quick, we will touch on the one other thing we did recently, which was um, Gen Con event registration (laughs) um, for Gen Con 50. Uh, I don't know why I keep punishing myself (laughs) by trying, you know, creating a wish list and trying to get events. This year I was 17 events on my wish list. Uh, I clicked... At the same time as you guys, we had it all queued up, yep. ready to go. I ended up 6,437 in line and got zero out of my 17 yep. events. And I was uh, 4,500 or something. So I was right right there with Ty. Yeah, 4,500 4, or so. And Troy, where were you? I was uh, somewhere around 2,000. And so I basically got almost everything that night we had teed up. And that was our, and I, I think I got a ticket for each of you because you we had, we had did a little bit of coordination. That's true. So I at least got one event, I think for each of you guys. I think the only other person that out of our kind of extended group, uh, was Mike Johnston that did better. And he was like 1100 or something. He's got a trick. He's yeah. I think, I think he's, he's got his own like his line. Own into, um, no, I don't think he used VIG. I <laughs> think he's, I think he's slipping a 50 to the Gen Con. Somehow folks, he has yeah. a private IP address or something that he's yeah. getting into the servers through the back door. He has his own. Something's going on there. It seems like year after year. Yeah. By the, cause because this is the first year I did, because I've had the same experience Ty did in the last couple of years. This was the first year where I ended up being the one that was in the front of the line. I think last year, Josh, you ended up being the yeah, leader right. in kind of the same spot I was, where you, you got ahead and got most of your events and your stuff. So, yeah, I, I this year, I, I what helped is I did, at least we did do a little bit of coordination. Um, so that's how I got you guys events. I know for Ben and Ben and I and Mandy, we we coordinated a lot, so I was able to get tickets for a lot of us. So mm-hmm. um, to get that, so I, I can't feel too bad. I I feel bad for you guys for people that because I just got lucky, right? And we were got, you know we were hoping that was part of the hope is that you know, either I got some one of us got first, and then we kind of shared a lot of events because I think that's maybe the only strategy you can do is try and get as many die rolls as you can right and hope somebody comes up with that 20 right that's the yep. <laughs> to get in and get some events now that being said 
Ty, you did salvage some events from, I think the other trick, right, is maybe we don't well, want to share it, right, is yeah. that, I, all, is that all, late reg All events. I'll say is yeah. at, at lunch that day with Tom, after leaving Nexus and being sad and dejected about Gen Con, we went and got some food, and as I was sitting there and playing on my phone, looking at events that haven't <laughs> sold out, I'm like, okay, yeah. it's two hours after the fact, and I happened upon an event that wasn't added prior mm. to the wish list like locking so um i was able to swoop in and get a couple tickets and then let you guys know for for some late events so and and i'll continue to check a few here on i mean that's part of it too is events are added people cash in and don't you know take them um sometimes you can find something as the lead up to the actual con yeah and a lot it's and a lot of times it is a lot of the vendor events Mm -hmm. because they don't they, they don't prep that far ahead and they kind of know they have their spots and whatever. So they're not like, unlike individuals who have to kind of submit their events and hope they get chosen. The vendors kind of have, yeah, if I put it in, I know I have spaces to do it. They're going to get accepted. It's just a matter of me putting, making the tickets available. And, and that'll happen, you know, all the way right up till probably June, July ish. I think um, yeah. that there'll and be events out if, there. If you want an event bad enough to buy the generics and show mm-hmm. up, because there's always a chance of a morning game that somebody's not going to make it and you can get in. Yeah. I think every scenario I've had, you know, last year, great example, we did Ivan's, Ivan Van Norman's Outbreak Undead, and he tweeted out, Hey, we have a no show. Come by. Yeah. This is where we are. And somebody showed up and said, Hey, can I get in? And he was like, Yep, we got a spot at the table. So, yeah. I mean, and I mean, uh, I think what are, this is probably whatever four or five years ago, year, years ago, and I kind of I went late. I wasn't think I was going, and ended up going late, so I didn't have any pre reg. Um, and I got into almost all the events I wanted to, but it was with generics. But you do have to do the legwork. It's a, it's mm-hmm. I literally had to make sure I went an hour before each of the events I wanted to to make sure I was the first person there to tell the the game master, hey, if you have an open spot, I want it. So I made sure I was the first in the line, and I was able to jump in and get in on those and those events. And and again, can't say it always is going to work, but I think if you're if there's events you really want to get to. Again, as I've run Space Hulk that sells out in seconds in the years past, I've always taken a generic or two for every event. So that's kind of the good and bad when you have that many people is you always end up kind of with no shows, and unless you have, again, I think some of the super. But even then, if Ivan if Ivan's getting no shows, I don't know, right? I think I'm, <laughs> it ends up being everything. So right. So it is what it is. Um, it uh, you have to figure out how to navigate the uh, the Gen Con event registration. I think our tip, right, is try and get as many roles in the pool as you can, and then even if you get shut out, try and be, you have to be creative. Keep looking because events get added late, and they're, sometimes they're really cool events. So yeah, right. man. Ultimately, yeah. don't get excited because. You yeah. will just be disappointed. Right. <laughs> Overall, you're, you're going to be disappointed. That's it. So just as we sit down in advance of recording an episode of the podcast and design a you know, main topic and an outline and a flow... We attend a lot of cons. We've talked about some of the events that we've run on tonight's show at Nexus. Thought it would benefit our listeners and almost our ourselves for the mm-hmm. future as, as we talk a little bit about the elements and, and 
prep work and time and everything that goes into designing scenarios or um, or events, encounters at, at conventions, um, or, you know, even a, a game night where you're going to be doing a, you know, a single one shot, um, experience of a, of a different role-playing game or something. So, um, what I think we'll, we'll kind of dive into is a discussion that, um, goes into the elements of, uh, the event or, or of the experience, um, starting which really, you know, ultimately what game are you going to be running and what is the the aesthetic of that event um narrative driven combat driven survival you know where where are you trying to go with it so um ultimately recently you guys have designed you know very specific encounters so maybe we can talk a little bit about the planning of those those and i'll i'll add in some tidbits from my experience uh where where appropriate but yeah, and, and it, Ty, I think you hit it right in the head. That's what we're we're trying to share some of the experience we've had with whether it's running uh, an event at a con or I'm, you're doing a one shot for your friends or, or, or a different group. I think there's a certain amount of thinking and preparation that goes into it. And in order to get the best outcome, um, we're going to hopefully pass along some tips that we've learned kind of by doing. Uh, it was some of it's a little you know, learned by doing and been painful. So hopefully, if we can pass some things along. It'll, that you don't have to kind of experience the 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 things that go wrong before you do the things right because we've been I've been God I've been running Space Hulk events since I don't know 2000 um, and learned a lot from there. Prior to that, we've been it was funny I keep thinking about some of the 40k stuff we ran back in the 90s at Gen Con and how I want to say that people had a lot of fun, but I look back I'm like God these were terrible like. <laughs> Like, how did people have fun? And kind of in spite of what we had thrown out there, um, you know, people had people figured it out. And but we, there was definitely a lot of a bumpy things that we had done. So hopefully, if we can share some of the things that we now think about and and prepare for to make events run a little more smoother and to make everybody having in the end, just so everybody has fun, right? To get right. through. I think the the kind of going off what Ty was talking about the the system, the game system. What constraints does that put around? Yep. Uh, the overall event. So, is it an RPG? Is it a board game? Is it a, a minis game, or you know, whatever? So, you know, what kind of constraints are around that? You know, table size, uh, things like that. Um, so, for like Space Hulk, uh, Troy, you always have to request a, a huge <laughs> table, right? <laughs> so you can fit everything there, um, and you know, you're limited to six, eight players, depending yep. on you know the different scenarios that you have, uh, like zombie side. Um, you can you, you can expand it. You could do eight players, nine players, if you wanted to. But you know, I, for the scenario I ran, I wanted to keep it to six just to kind of keep it manageable. D and D, you know, you could do you know almost unlimited. But um, you know, there's there comes a point where uh, you know if you have ten, twelve D and D players, it gets a little unwieldy, right? So you kind of want to keep that. Um, so keeping those things in mind um, when you're when you're planning something out like that, um, you know, we'll talk about it later, but like also time constraints. So, um, you know, if you have only, you know, 90 minutes, you you can't fit a huge campaign, you know, D and D campaign into 90 minutes. You're going to have, um, you know, some of those, uh, constraints that way as well. So, yeah, and I, I think number of players is interesting, right? The game system, and again, some game systems are going to lend themselves to how many players. 
uh, and then some of its creativity. Um, I'll use, again, I'll use Facebook a lot. And as I talk in examples, cause we've done it a lot, but, um, you know, we've, we've run six players a lot as we found that works with the, the table size and how we break it in. But in the end, it's even, I think you can look for opportunities. Like when we run six, we're actually running kind of two, three player games when we do it. Uh, in the new scenario, actually it's, we've done, we've kind of found a way, like how can we get more people involved and, and actually it's eight players. It's two of two GMs running the, the one side and we actually have three player character play, you know, running the different space, but we, we could have another two players actually running and have eight players running that game. And again, it's, that's two, four player games to do that. Um, I think, and that's just that many, I think other minis games may, you know, provide different opportunities for how do you scale it or and a lot of times again the constraint may be you're running the one shot how many people are coming right so now i have to design the scenario to handle the i have six people coming how do we make sure that everything gets there to that i i think it's it's really important to determine exactly what you know what you're trying to accomplish when you're talking about space hulk you're using you know zombie side as an example Mm -hmm. you you have a game system which delivers a victory condition or a a loss and as you write your story and contribute to it you know that can scale um space hulk you can still if you have two players show up you can scale back and run it in a in a way that it works same with zombie side um you know reducing a spawn with a a role-playing game you you want to have your narrative arc and you want to have your story points you know that can be accomplished and you have to pay it you have to be flexible i think ultimately that's where i'm going with any any scenario design any encounter design is you have to be flexible and where you get in the trouble as a, a game master is when you're very rigid and fixed and you haven't put the proper planning or time into play test and to to go through it because if, if you design your game with the idea that six players are needed to accomplish the yeah. task and you have four, your players are going to have a very poor right experience. Right. Um, and and that's something you can't script and you can't have it set, but you can yeah. anticipate and, and scale back, pull some punches. And that's a very important part of GMing is to not always be set to be open to, to change. Yeah. And you know, that's really good. Like I literally had that experience at, at a Nexus is we had the new scenario. We had run it with less people, but we hadn't thought hard until we were forced to <laughs> about, okay, how are we going to, I, I, you know, roughly said, okay, if we have, you know, I can run six play, there's kind of six slots. If I only have half, we can run half the game. Like I talked about, it really is. You can run two, one on three games. But we also like, okay, four players, what's the best? And, and we, it was easy because we had kind of thought about it, but we just hadn't. Is, okay, if we have two people, we literally can run with two people, but they need to run these two squads. And if it's four people, they need to run these four sections of the board for it to make sense. Um, and in the past, I've also had it with an RPG, right? Uh, when you have pre, pre-gen characters, all right? I have my six pre-gen characters. I think the mistake some GMs would make is they may have skills that are necessary to complete the thing across all those. And only three people show up. Oh no! Right? I don't have have people to, to. I don't have the necessary skills in the character to get the thing completed. But maybe it's like in the head, it's like, all right, if I only have three players, I need to make sure at least one person plays the pilot because they need to fly a ship at some point, right, to get it out. And so, I, like you talked about, yeah, you need to be flexible and make sure you can handle 
whatever because you never believe it or not whatever's going to happen is going to happen and you may not may not even if you didn't think about it it may happen so yeah. right and that's a great point and that's a, a style that some people struggle with is mm-hmm. is that kind of freestyle mm-hmm. free-flowing ability to adapt and and the the more you do something the better at it you get um in in a con game not only player count something you have to account for but the um the skill level of your players mm-hmm. so part of your planning is you want to create a scenario or a, a game that's going to be challenging for the most expert of players but yet not have a barrier to entry for somebody new that you want to introduce to the game to the rule set and that they can still have fun and be successful in um and i, I think you guys each had some direct experience in in your games re- recently where um, you know, people made poor decisions <laughs> because they either didn't know or didn't understand yeah. and the, the coaching and the, the feedback at the table that, that has to be a part of the, the GM and part of built into the story to make that determination. Well, how do I make it challenging and hard for somebody that's done this for four cons in a row? Like you have the returning player all the time. Yep. Um, in your space hulk games where you still want to challenge him and you turn up his difficulty a little bit but then you have somebody brand new that you have to not scare away yep. from the table in the kind first dial it back a little yeah yeah and i think that con- i mean that contrasts a little bit between again we'll use zombicide and space hulk just as examples because they're very recent but that's one of the reasons why john and i designed the new scenario where we run the gene stealers gave us another level lever to can control in terms of difficulty that if we're running it if we we basically can play against because we kind of play against each player independently if this is a novice player we can kind of let up a little bit on them if this is a tougher player they're going to guess what they're going to get the bigger blips they're i'm going to throw more stuff at it i'm going to play a little more strategic other ones maybe play more straightforward um so that gave us another level to to kind of balance the game and, and, and make it again make it more fun and it's why you'll i think you see we we in the end we want the players to succeed we want them to to come accomplish the mission but we also want it to be as difficult and as hard as it can be at the end so it again we had some perfect scenarios come out where it came down to literally could have went either way by a die roll and it just happened to be that the players won um, so again that and that's only because john and i are able to kind of play with the the difficulty all the way along the way to make sure that oh even if it's a tough player if we were able to kind of decimate a squad guess what then we can kind of let off the gas a little bit on that squad make sure that the one or two guys alive still kind of get towards the end they get a chance to get there right um and i think the difficulty in like zombicide josh is you don't have that because the game is the game right? right the game's gonna the ai of the game's gonna keep playing the way it's gonna play whether good or bad right and, so. the, and the one level or the, the one lever i tried mm-hmm. to pull a little bit was um the a-bomb mm-hmm. the abomination is ridiculously hard to kill especially if you get it really early yeah. on and i thought that'd be a pretty feel bad experience for folks especially if they were new to the game mm-hmm. i went in assuming a lot of folks were going to be new to the game yep. And and Which rightfully was a good so guess, because right? yeah, it was a good guess because uh, yeah, most folks hadn't played before or had played the original Zombie Side and had never played Black Plague. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, I kind of put 
the the abomination in a box you know like he was rumbling around waiting for the door to open right uh he's banging on the beautifully painted uh (laughs) steel door um and couldn't get out so that was my kind of dialing it back a little bit for the for the group so yeah yeah, kind of thinking of creative ways to you know even a game like zombie side it's very you know this is the game thinking of creative ways to kind of dumb it down a little bit or dial it back a little bit for especially con experiences. Yep. And I think, and then the, the other option there too, right. And you can, you could have done this in Zombicide is you can, you could have different levels of the scenario kind of pre-made that if you get to the table and get, and guess what? Everyone's experienced. Everyone wants a little bit more of a challenge. You can be like, Oh, guess what? You know what I can do is I can put in these different cards or I can, right. guess what? There'll be another a bomb available. You could have different variations of the thing. Again, it's basically like we've done the same thing where I've had an alternate blip model available. If like, okay, yeah, guess what? This is all. It doesn't happen very often, right? <laughs> right. But I kind of have that in the back pocket. Is thing. And again, so I think that thing is as you design a scenario, you could figure you could have different levels of difficulty built right in. That you can again part of that flexibility. That if you get to the table, hey, things are a little different. Guess what? We can ratchet it up or ratchet it down to handle it. And I think that's some things where RPGs. Because you have the GM all the time, right? It it kind of gives you that natural built-in where the GM can kind of make things difficult or not. And you know, when you're doing stuff, we're tied. Either lets up on us, or he tries to kill us harder. Either one. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that that's obviously a key difference between a, a role-playing game um, con experience and a, a board game or miniature game. Is role-playing game is is a adversarial in nature i mean the gm is all of the enemies that's that's just how it works um and you have to be willing to let the players succeed (laughs) um or or comfortable with them failing i mean um i i think i you know when obviously in a campaign the element is totally different because you have an investment in your character so it's um you see in a con experience or a one shot, a lot of people are a little more bold than they would normally Mm -hmm. be. So, you know, you have to be okay with them, them failing and then paying the consequences, um, because they don't have that investment in, in that character. Um, and I think player elimination in general is a concept that you also account for in the planning stage and the the development where if that player dies, do you have somebody else they can step into the shoes and play or are they done at the table? you know, for the time being. And, um, space Hulk as an example, you know, you have so many guys in a squad and you've had players lose all of their Marines. Um, and that's the end of their experience. Uh, Josh, you, you had, you know, zombie side, you had a few extra heroes where people could recycle. And once they were through the, the spares that you had, it was kind of game over, but, you know, that's a decision you make ahead of time as well when you're planning that encounter is if somebody dies, are they going to be done? Is their day over? Yep. Um, or is there a, a, a mechanic in place where they can come back and continue to participate until the end of the time limit? Yep. And I, again, we've seen a little bit of both, right? Can you respawn or something like that? Uh, and sometimes it's just how much of the, the total time are they, are they is it is it okay again a lot of times if in space hulk if they've gotten through three quarters or more and almost got to the end and and the game is coming to kind of that conclusion 
I never really feel bad if somebody kind of went out in, in, a, in a blaze of glory and they and usually they don't either. They, right. they can kind of see it to get there. If somebody flames out super early, then a lot of times we'll just give them like, hey, take them all again, kind of restart and we'll, we'll get you in. Very, I mean, very rarely happens that. We will get into a little bit about um, kind of interesting players. Sometimes we get somebody at the table that <laughs> that maybe is not playing the same game that everyone else is, um, which can in- create some interesting interesting things. Because I have a, we did have a, a guy I think I've talked about in the past who uh, I think it was Adepticon a few years ago, who kind of started playing. I don't know what game he wanted to play, but he started playing. Complained about the Space Hulk the whole time and the rules and how they weren't fair and and things like that proceeded to get his squad completely wiped out in like the first five turns and i gave him the option okay hey do you want to kind of like reset and whatever no and i thought oh, well maybe he's just mad but then he proceeded to stick around and watch the game for the next three hours so i'm like i don't understand like what were, what was your point i don't <laughs> i guess you got something out of it i don't know what it was but you got something out of it so now you know in the end you may not be able to make everybody happy right in some of the situations but it it is, but you can put everything in place to at least give them opportunity to, right? Right. So. Well, and sometimes uh, it's the players having conflicting personalities against each other. Um, in one of the scenarios I ran, yeah, there, there was a guy that was very insistent on he wanted to do this thing. And this other guy was like, hey, no, we're almost at the end. Why don't we just start heading back? And yeah, there was this... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting to kind of see that kind of play out because, uh, I, I mean, neither one was really wrong. It was just sort of like, okay, they, they worked it out eventually and it was fine. But, yeah, just kind of learning how to deal with those sort of things. I was trying to, like, keep everybody cool and like, hey, we're playing a game. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and I think that you see that in, like, a co-op game or mm-hmm. an RPG because an RPG in general is probably a co-op game to start with. Right. <laughs> right. In the end, you have to have these people who may be complete strangers all of a sudden have to have to cooperate and work together right it's it's kind of an interesting team dynamic exercise all the time right i always think there's some interesting stuff you can kind of take back to depending where you work right if you work in places where people have to actually cooperate and work together you see some interesting (laughs) (laughs) interesting ways of how to handle team dynamics in in role playing and in game playing in general so some cool stuff um and and then you know we we kind of touched on this by where you are in in the game you know for player elimination but the uh, the time you've carved out too is is an integral part of preparing for your game. So, um, you know, as as most con, con events are two to three, two to four hours, depending on um, what it is. You have to you have to play test and tune your scenario to ensure that you can complete it in in that given amount of time, or have a plan in place to wrap it up. So, Troy, I know you've run Space Hulk quite a bit. And you've also done some RPG sessions. What are some uh, some tips out there for kind of managing the time and the the pace of play and and everything that comes up? So, I mean, again, I'll, Space Hulk. We had we've been running the assault on Castabel scenario for I don't know, probably three to four years. Excellent scenario, super balanced. People love it, but it runs about four hours. Like it just runs about four hours. Like that's the map. And part of that is the map. Like you just have that many spaces, you have that many turns. It kind of runs that, so it kind it fits in that four hour slot, but it it takes your whole time, right? And so we looked at ways to like how do we how do we keep play moving ahead because it can run a little long, and sometimes it like again in a board game you could do um, 
we actually talked about putting in some kind of time turns or at least making sure people, because sometimes you get some AP going on, people take a little longer in their turns than they should. And it's just a matter of making people aware, not necessarily that you're pushing them, right? But like, hey, you have, we have about 10 minutes to get going because in real time, guess what? We're going to run out of time and somebody may have a new game and you hate. The, the feel bad would be like you get to the end of time and you can't finish the game, right? Somebody has to leave for real, you know, real reasons and they can't get to the end. So you want to make the game finish in the time slot that you that you have um so our strategy again is we created a new scenario we actually put things in place like hey we need can we shorten how can we shorten the amount of time amount of turns that's really our one lever we could pull um and again the other lever we we added was us running the other the the gene stealer side allows us to control that time like we can take our turns go super fast if we need to to catch things up and, and get there and so that's like a space Hulk. I think that's, that's pretty easy. Um, RPGs it, that it, I think it becomes easier in RPGs. If you have kind of the idea that you don't, that you just have plot points that you need to jump to mm-hmm. so that you can get to the end, like, Hey, okay. You know, at, at three hours, we need to get them to the final encounter so that we can make sure we get to the end. And, and so it's what I found, right. It's less about, they need to make the certain areas on them on a map, you know, it's that you actually make things a little more abstract so that they guess what, they're just going to hit these three different encounters at certain points during the four hours. And that's going to be their journey through, through the story. Um, that's kind of what I've always done for any, any RPGs that I've run in a, in a slot where I need to finish in a certain amount of time. I, <clears throat> for zombie side, I, I relied heavily on the zombie side pre-made scenarios. And I tried to like pair that up with the one that I created uh, just to see, you know, with this amount of objectives, with these specific tiles, and it, I, I actually play tested it solo mm. <laughs> a handful of times, and then with other folks like uh, I think you and and uh, John helped me out one night, and I I forget who all yeah. we ran it a few times, but um, yeah, just to try to get that time down and try to f- make sure that things were going to work out and. When I play tested it solo, it was it obviously ran faster because yeah. <laughs> you don't have to argue with yourself. I, yeah, as right. Much. I knew exactly what I was going to do. Um, and when I signed up for the event, um, you know, I, I actually probably shorted myself a little bit, but I did pad between this the events uh, half hour, so it ended up working out because it ended, you know it bled over a little bit and everybody seemed fine with that. But um, but yeah, when we play tested with actual people. It seemed to run a little bit long, and I was a little nervous about that. But yeah, it ended up being fine. So, yeah, and there there are definitely ways in an RPG or any scenario you can use tools to you know a, a countdown, a timer, a mm-hmm. technique that I think worked very well that I learned from some of the outbreak guys was the writing down your intent mm-hmm. and then delivering. So you have the thirty seconds to figure out what you're doing. You write it down. And then you reveal and you deal with the consequences. So you force the hand and, and I'll do that sometimes, you know, when I'm playing an RPG, if something's taking too long, I say, okay, what are you doing? You have five seconds, you know, putting somebody on the clock and mm-hmm. you can do that because pace of play can really ruin a um, con experience. Yep. If you have somebody that gets trapped in a lot of analysis paralysis, be it a role playing game or be it Space Hulk or any other board game for that matter. Um, so kind of every so often knowing when you can put the pressure on, you're not being a jerk and you're not ruining the experience. Right. It's just being cognizant that it's going to ruin the experience for everyone, everyone. Yeah. if this player takes five minutes to determine his action every time it gets to him. Right. Keep it moving. You got to, yep. So you're you're not only a referee as a GM, but you're also a, 
a clock. You know, you're the physical embodiment of, of the time yeah. counting down. <laughs> um, any, so, I mean, you know, talked a lot about the design and the, the story elements, what you want to portray, how you do, how you handle the players. Um, what about kind of the, the prep work that goes into it, you know, as far as being ready on that day, how, how the, I mean, in our hobby segment and in our review, we talked about the amount of work Josh put in for the board and the, we've talked mm-hmm. prior episodes about the space Hulk terrain. Mm-hmm. So beyond even that, you deliver an experience, you know, handouts, um, custom dice, different things that help kind of make it a unique experience for the players. Yeah, and I think that's all about a little bit. It's also goes back to the time management, right? Uh, I think what I look at is what are the things that I can put in the players' hands, whether those are su- rule summaries, cheat sheets, squad, you know, squad sheets, or whether it's an RPG, their character sheet, or some kind of summary to help them kind of get into the game quickly, understand it, um, and and not have to go through a whole lot of of learning and 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 give them enough information so that they can kind of participate quickly, right? And not have to look up rules in the rule book or jump back and forth. So some of it just, I mean, there's, yeah, the twofold. One is creating, like, I think players enjoy, like, getting some handouts, like, hey, this is really cool and helps them get immersed a little quicker. Um, But my reason for doing a lot of times is just to help get the rules in their hands so they're not either asking as many questions, they understand the game faster and they're not, we're not having to look up rules or they're not asking, you know, taking more time on their turn. Like, Hey, you know how many points it takes to do this. You know what role you need to hit um, to get that kind of thing. Or, and I think RPGs is where it can be. I know when I've run some of the, the death watch stuff, those RP role playing sheets are so complicated. It was, how do you kind of distill it, the character down so that people can find the things on the sheet um, and what they need to worry about so that they can can actually participate because a lot of times they'll you'll play and they don't even notice that they have certain skills on a sheet if you haven't created a nice character sheet for them that kind of gives them the the highlights of what that character can do right to get there so and and some again so I think it's that dual purpose one is what's what's cool that people want to see like you talked about I do custom dice and you don't, wouldn't have to do that but again it, it helps make it easier and it's also something cool and unique to the to experience great so hopefully we've uh inspired because ultimately <laughs> to actually do this and, and create something it takes that inspiration um but but hopefully you know we've provided some uh some insight into kind of what we do and um, as always with the basement of death, you know, we, we look to create that experience and further the, the hobbies, the games, you know, that we're interested in and, and the community and a great way to do that is we say again and again is, you know, participate in the events at the cons and ultimately if you get the itch and you feel like doing it, um, put the time and the energy and the, the preparation and the, to creating an experience that other gamers will get to enjoy and talk about and then motivate them maybe to, to do something like that. Um, and, and continue to further the hobby. Yeah, and I, I th- again, if you go to a con or some event or even your friends and the, whatever you want to play isn't being played, I think that's where you need to look and say, well, then you should be the one to, mm-hmm. to, to provide it, right, and make the effort and, and create something. And again, even if, like we've I talked about before, we've I've been doing this for so long, and I look at some of those early scenarios that we ran at things and, Man, they looked kind of they look kind of ugly looking back, but I know people had fun. In the end, you know, even if you make some of these mistakes and and things get a little rough, in the end, a lot of people will have fun. They understand, and and you'll just get better and better as as you get as you do more of them. 
So if you went to elementary slash middle school sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, you probably experienced a computer game called the Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail, you leave from Independence, Missouri, try to make it to the Wilmette Valley um, in in, uh, the year 1848 with covered wagons pulled by oxen. You have to ford rivers, you have to hunt for meat, survive different diseases that were uh, ravaging the frontier at that time travel through towns and forts, and ultimately see how many of your starting party make it to the end and travel all the way across the Oregon Trail. Great computer game. I I mean, the nostalgia factor uh, alone... It's very high. ...was was high. Well, uh, what what we found is a card game based on the computer game for our Play It and Slay It review today. The Oregon Trail card game... um, I believe the price point on this is twelve ninety nine. Yep, it's available at Target and some other game stores. Uh, it comes in a box about about the size of some of the tiny Epic boxes. It's very um, very neat and uh, tidy. Couple different decks of cards. Um, so you're getting uh, the the best part is the card art is all from almost the game. screen captured yeah, eight, from the eight game. Eight bit, yeah, eight bit, yeah, just classic events you have a, a marker board where you can write the names of your party on the back it has the tombstones where you can write the names as you die in a, a little epitaph um, about how they died or what they died from which is super funny like <laughs> yeah it's it's a uh, um cooperative you're trying to get along playing cards either trail cards or supply cards um it it was something we played recently um <laughs> and you know, ultimately, the first three turns, I thought, okay, this is this is decent. This is just like the uh, the computer game. We're going along a trail. We're trying to get fording rivers, um, surviving, you know, broken wheels, whatever else. Uh, I did do a little more research into the game, and the designers did say they designed it to be incredibly difficult. So it is... <laughs> You may think you're getting this light kind of trip down memory lane. You're actually getting a nearly impossible challenge of a card game to to get through. So, And that's what it is. But wasn't the original game also terribly difficult? It, it was pretty hard, yeah. So they, they captured that element. Um <laughs> The, like in 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 spades, <laughs> <laughs> they, they captured now, that element. Now for twelve ninety nine, um, the the price point is is low. Um, the nostalgia of saying, "Hey, let's play the Oregon Trail." I mean, today I did find a nine minute gameplay video on YouTube of the original <laughs> Oregon Trail, and the card game really felt a lot like that. We named our party some inappropriate names we drew our starting <laughs> hands and we headed uh we headed from independence missouri josh i'll let you talk a little bit about our experience playing our play it or slay it uh, game today yeah so uh you you play a trail card that matches up with the the, the card that's been played before it um and and occasionally you'll have a push the space bar button you know kind of reminiscent of the uh the old game and 
that really means you flip over a make it worse card. Uh, I forget what they're called. Calamity cards. Calamity cards, yes. (laughs) And really, you need some sort of gear or some sort of um, thing to uh, overcome those calamities. So, um, you know, whether it's medicine or spare parts or fresh water, those types of things, oxen. So all things from the game. Um, and what the, the really difficult part is you get these cards a lot. These, these, these make it worse cards come up quite a bit and you're not getting a lot more gear. So you're, you're getting strapped, uh, for ways to get out of these bad events. And, uh, we, we found ourselves at the end, like with hardly anything and both dead. So... Yeah, and some so, of the calamity cards. I mean, I drew a snake bite. You die. Yeah, just done. No, That's get it. out of jail. Like I died. Yep. There's there's dysentery cards. You've died of dysentery. Like you just you're just dead. Yeah. Like that's it. So you have to like hope those cards come up like later in the deck. You also have to hope that you know some of the trail cards you get don't have the push the space bar button. You you almost have you almost have to play a perfect game. To actually make it. We got... How far did we get? A th- third of the way? A fifth. A fifth of the way. Yeah. Not... I mean, we weren't even close. Mm-mm. Not even close. We maybe got into Kansas. Yeah. And it, so, though, I guess the, the one thing we didn't hit was a town or a fort. If you come to a trail card that's a town or a fort, then you get some extra gear. We didn't run into any of those. And there's four in the whole deck, so... Yeah, it's it, it's it's a pretty hard game, and it was, I don't know, it was a little bit feel bad. Um, we, <laughs> I think we kind of had it amped up in our heads like this is going to be really fun, this is going to be really, really nostalgic, and then I think we both forgot how hard the computer mm-hmm. game was, and they they really dialed up the difficulty. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's fun at face value but it's i mean it's not something you play a lot so try any any questions uh, yeah talk about (laughs) yeah i I didn't play it um i i i don't want to foreshadow i don't know if i have any desire to play it um (laughs) uh i actually i never had played i don't know somehow it was in i was in between the the right time frame so i never really played it on the computer either i knew of it like because everybody played it um, and so I knew of it, but yeah, you guys, I, it's, what's interesting is some parallels between this and this war of mine. Yeah, a little are, bit. Yeah. <laughs> except one of them did it really well. And it sounds like this one may not have. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the, to be honest, the best part of my experience, and this is definitely foreshadowing to play it or slay it, um, was when I died, I wrote my epitaph as so-and-so has died, um, because of poor game design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had a good chuckle. I mean, so, yeah, kind of going along the lines of uh, doing it well or doing it poorly, you get a, a custom die in, in this game, mm. but it's just, it's, it's, it's a black die that you have to add stickers to. One through six. One through so six. They didn't even put pips on the dice. <laughs> right. They gave you a sticker sheet, one through six. One through six. With like pixelated graphics. Yeah. Right. The, the eight bit oh. one through six in green. 
It was twelve ninety nine though. That's yeah, true. If it would have had I mean, a custom die, if it would have had a nice custom die, like actual done, that would have been I. Yeah. But if the so this was you got was this really is this really distributed in Target? Yeah, it's it was in Target. Yeah, that it's means it's super. That, that means it's super wide release. So you'd think yeah. you could afford to do a custom. I, real I have a feeling there's a lot of people buying this that it just sits on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. As a oh hey look piece. I got the Oregon Trail right. and then they open it and and um well they play it and I well let's just let's just dive right into the players yeah um, I'm I'm going to say slay it and and slay it until you're sure it's dead don't yeah. ever let it see the table again right um I will never play this game again I will not die of dysentery I will not die of a snake bite. Cholera, you, you will not get me again. I will slay it till it's dead. Goodbye, Oxen. You are dead, too. <laughs> Troy, uh, have um, we intrigued yeah. you? With that ringing endorsement from both you guys, I probably will also slay it. I don't I don't really have a whole lot of desire to play it. But I give them a lot of credit, again, for if you could get a game and get it distributed through Target, it, my guess is they, they're making a few bucks on it, like you said, to at least get it to sh- sit on people's shelf. Right. It's in the nostalgia factor. I guess if you can get the, they paid for the license at least. Hopefully the license didn't cost them too much. Right. Yeah, so if, if you want to find out more about it, um, go to OregonTrail.com and um, take a look it's it's based on the classic computer game two to six players ages 12 and up uh well those of us here at plan and slan will be not playing this again you know if this is your cup of tea and you want to die in your attempts to get to the wilmot valley have at it good luck yep and you know going off the nostalgia factor i I pointed it out to my wife like walking through target and it just happened to be near my birthday time and i that that was my mistake i shouldn't have done that <laughs> well maybe that's our next contest no we won't do, we won't punish anybody like that <laughs> uh, we'll get a floppy disk of the original yeah, yeah, right. computer game and there you stuff. go yep. so that's our play it and slay it uh review for tonight's show thank you um Real quick, just a couple things I think we want to touch on before we um, we put this episode okay. to bed. Uh, this summer, coming up August 17th through 20th, the 50th anniversary of Gen Con. Um, some of us may have some events to plan. Others will just be sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> but we'll all be there. But we'll all be form. there um, for for the, the con. So we're going to have a big, big turnout from our gaming group. Should be a lot of fun. Definitely um, hope to see several listeners there um anything else coming up this summer of of note gaming related not really i don't think uh we're just gonna be we're gonna keep playing yeah we're gonna keep playing and slaying yep. especially eighth edition 40 yes i think there'll be a lot of a lot of mini games and we might have to find time to squeeze board games in because i think this might be the summer of minis um, but we'll see because there'll be new Kickstarters showing up with new board games that we'll have to see. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think we'll see a lot of 40K in our future. I have, I have a feeling our July episode may be focused on 8th edition 40K. <laughs> Seems legit as we lead in the Gen yep. Con. Um, so, with that, keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying.
Live from the BOD studio. I am on the Oregon science. Trail. The Oregon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> What's the theme song for the game? How does yeah. it go? Beep, beep, like boop, that. beep, beep, boop. Oregon Trail. Yeah. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> I, you know, I never actually played the old game. Aww. You never played the no. computer? No. It was like in be- probably like in between my time of when I would, I don't know. It, Yeah, I, I know everyone did, but I never, hmm. I just didn't, all I heard was people died all the time. Dysentery, that's all. Yep. Yep. Cholera, dysentery. Fucking snake bite. Snake bites. <laughs> <laughs>